Hello and welcome to I've Never Seen Ellipsis, uh, where myself, Stephen, and my friend Albert Hello. Uh, pick two roughly linked, not so much linked this time, these are linked by a title, I guess, uh, movies. I'm sure we can find a theme. We can definitely find a theme that links these two films. I think they will... They... They're very very dense, so yeah. it's, it's not that difficult. They will balance discussion off each other very nicely um, when we get tied up on one end. Um, so the idea of this podcast being um, there are so many films in the world, so many films that you should have seen, and there are many films that we have not seen. So we pick two films each time that either both of us or one of us have not seen. This time we have Mike Lee's Naked, which is fun to say. Yeah. It reminds me of when I went to the cinema to go see Albert Hitchcock's Notorious, and I was like, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Puns are fun. Yeah, but I don't think Mike Lee is naked. And uh, Michael Haneke's Cache. Yeah. Um, Actually, I have a question, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first saw the title for Cache, yes. I thought of, like, cultural Cache, right? Ah, but cachet means hidden. Yes, to hide. This is me being really dumb and not knowing French. Well, I mean, so fortunately, like if you like, I found it. I first watched it because it was on Mubi, and it was yeah. called cachet in brackets hidden. Um, That's much more helpful. So even if you did not know, luckily I I knew the French enough because I've some basic French and I'm aware of the game cash cash hide and seek. Mm. Um, but yeah, but then what is hidden? Kind of like changes yeah. throughout the movie. Um, mm. Which is kind of fun. It's not quite what you think it is. So, um, brief overview of these two films. Let's let's do that. Um, do you want to do you want to take the Haneke film since yep. you're a mega fan? Yep, love me some Haneke. All right. So Michael Haneke's Cache, a film of his from 2005. So, um, I don't know, mid period Haneke, I'd argue. Um, it's probably his best film, I would say, though it's maybe not my subjective favorite. Though it's mm. definitely my number two, um, cemented by the second viewing. Um, it is one of his French films. He makes films in a variety of languages, a French production, um, and it's about. It's a Michael Haneke film, so let's tick these <laughs> things off. It's about a bourgeois family and a lot of people mm. watching screens all the time. So there you go. Yeah. It's a Michael Haneke film. Um, the inciting incident of this film, um, which it drops you into right away, this family are being videoed secretly and are being yeah. sent these videos. And the first one just the outside of the house. If you've seen David Lynch's Inland Empire, um, which I think came up before this, has a very similar plot point, but a very different movies. Um, yeah. And this film kind of transforms into this exploration of guilt, but also it's very much a symbolic film about France and national guilt, um, which is very, very cool. Um, I mean, in a word, this film is post-colonialism, the film. Yeah, yeah, def- it's so good. Um, so basically, it starts off with these very like minute issues of who's filming me, it's creepy, and then as the film progresses, you realise that is not the issue. Mm. The issue is, I know exactly who's filming me, I know why they would do that, yeah. and it's m- what the guilt evoked is what's more important, and it has a sledgehammer, of a quiet, this is a weird phrase, a quiet sledgehammer of an ending. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like many Haneke films, there's lots of misdirection, mm-hmm. and there's very well-placed scenes. So I think I'm going to prompt you to describe the scene at the beginning-ish where you have the confrontation as the guy's walking out of the studio. Which is a very important, like, it kind mm. of, it really oh catches you off guard. Yes. And that's when things start to really click. The first time you go, oh, this film has racial politics. Exactly. Mm. No, but that's so important because to a white audience, 
Yeah, you, because it seems so banal. The fact that it catches you off guard, I think that's the key thing about it, is that you don't know... There's so many things about the film where you wouldn't notice this if you were border on white. Yeah. And that's like a similar point of view in that scene. Yeah, it is, it is a film that reveals the layers of its characters over time. Um, yeah. And it, it like every Michael Haneke film, it confronts you with artists straight away. There are some things like he they live in this house, which seems like set design. It's full of books. No one ever reads a book. Um, they are only fixated around the television, which has the, all these. The, the mise en scène with the books is amazing. Oh, it's overbearing. It. It's, a it's overwhelming. Fortress. Yes. It, the walls are literally made out of books. That's. It's such a great metaphor. But they're, but they're around the dining table and they're, they're where they have yeah. parties. You never see a character read in this movie, in this yeah. film, where and they're always talking about literature. Yeah. They don't read at all. The TV's the one that gets the most, mm. uh, the most like. Uh, use and the TV is surrounded by um, VHS tapes, many of which are mm. recorded, which also links into the narrative of the film. Where like I don't know, there's a bit of like a, a double standard there, which shows that they have been taping and recording and all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm. Cool, cool movie. Before we get too much into it, because there's too much to say. Um, Mike Lee, naked. Let's do the naked one. Okay, so naked is a film about. A Mancunian misanthrope mm-hmm. who. And a random other protagonist. Is there really a protagonist? I mean, it's kind of it's a it's a Mike Lee film in the sense that it's about the interactions between people rather than yeah. protagonists themselves. I mean, so many other movies, but basically, so you have this kind of central figure who is loathsome yet strangely charismatic, but really a bit enigmatic and broken. Uh, who wa- wanders around London, ostensibly to try and crash at his ex-girlfriend's yeah. flat, but ends up being on the street and sort of has these like Adrift. weird run-ins and philosophical. I don't even know what. Is philosophical. It <laughs> yeah, just some kind of just nonsense. He, uh, I feel like it's a film about ob- obsessions. Um, yeah. And different kind of obsessions. One of the characters, there are there are kind. It's kind of a double header, but it's more skewed towards David Thewlis's character. Of there are two kind of main characters who we see the world through. One more than the other. One of them is very obsessed with sexual domination. Um, no, they're both obsessed. Mm. They're both. <sighs> no, so the 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 idea, this duality thing between the two men, men. That's so important. That's so important to the film. Yeah, but like one of them is, is it really set. I think one of them is obsessed with domination Mm. in general, a more kind of like an intellectual domination of wanting to be the controlling guiding force. Which I think is true of both of them, but I feel they have like one skews off to be more through purely sexual means, and one is used somewhat, but is more through a power play of like, I want to be the conversational king of the room. The thing is like, I've been thinking really hard about Jeremy's character since I watched the film, which is the much more loathsome character. So there's yeah. two main male uh, characters. There's Johnny, who's played by David Thewlis, and there's Jeremy, uh, who is this kind... He's a, he's a caricature. I mean, maybe there's real people like that, but I... Well, probably, there probably are. Anyway, so he's a real character of... I would say he's a kind of construction of leftist anxiety about thatcher at britain do you know what i mean like this is what 
a lot of leftists might kind of construct in their heads, oh, this is the literal manifestation of evil, like this landlord who has all the power mm. and what, goes is around. Is he a landlord? Well, yeah. It's, I mean, who knows? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter yeah, for the yeah. film. It, it, he, he, at one point, you see him making some kind of shady deal in his car, like making lots of money. Well, God knows in what way. But the point is, he's a kind of he's a Porsche driving, you know, suspender wearing kind of caricature who is supposed to represent the rapaciousness of like a yuppie from the 80s i think but yes but... i think i think mike lee is much more nuanced than what people might take that as face value in some ways i kind of see him like challenging that leftist kind of anxiety to some extent I think... because you can't just put all of the evils that you think about society into one box and then just say yep yeah, that's it that's all we think about you know that's all that can go wrong in society we just package it up into this, this neat little character and that's it because you also have johnny do you know what i mean like, yeah I, I mean i agree with you i mean i'm not as hot anywhere near as hot on this film as you are and i i feel like yeah. i could be swayed either way i feel like i'm in this middle point of either i like it less than i do or i like it more than, and i kind of like that i like not being sure about the film you are so often just like yep this is what i think yeah. so, but my problem yeah. with this other character which i think you've set up really nicely is in a mike lee film he feels like the only character who's a plot device who walks into a room to be a catalyst for drama when everyone else feels like a like a really like workshopped really well felt out person and this person seems to be just built up so you can be there in the third act and just make some plot happen i don't know yes and no i don't really know I don't know if I agree with you, but like I kind of see your point. Can I tell you my core issue of the film? I don't think you can agree with me at all yeah. on this. Um, mm. I feel if this movie did not have the first two minutes, I would like it way more. No, I think uh, it's a, I, that setup is like I, you know, it's almost iconic. Like that's a, that's what an opening to a film. I, I, although, although I will say that three rapes into this film, I was like, Jesus Christ, this film I, is going to be. Just, <laughs> starting with so, it is a bit yeah it can be a bit much i think it's, it's the out of context it's it, it seems yeah. i don't know it using sexual assault sexual violence in films is very very difficult and it's something that happens um and it should be presented because it happens but how you present it is very important and i feel that almost without exception you should never drop it in without context um especially as the very beginning of it you're being presented what appears to be a very cinematic sex scene and then what there's... do you mean without context, though? Because you have the context of the rest of the film to work out what kind of character Johnny is. So I, don't, yes. I don't know. Like... But, I, but it feels like an image to shock the viewer with to begin with. It feels like an exploitative use of, a, of an actual thing. And there is some discomfort for me at the beginning. Yeah. Of they frame it as, here's a sex scene. And then about mm. 10 seconds in, you go, oh, this is a rape scene. And like I feel like when you're presenting rape on screen, ideas of consent should be very clear from the beginning. Um, I don't want to be going, oh, no, oh, oh no, this no, is a rape. On, like... The fact that no, but like the fact that there's ambiguity and consent is the core issue because it's all about power dynamics. I think you right? can get into that in your film later. I just yeah, don't okay, think fine, you can start but... with that um, because it maybe start me like sorry, sorry, what? What are you doing, movie? Um, and I did like it a lot more as film went on. I feel it's too long. Yeah. Um, I can't. You know what? I can't really work out about this film is is it dated? Because yes. there's a weird sense. You have this like I would call it the naked omni leer. Okay. Where every single like shot, there is something like 
sexually charged and like mm. really, do you know what I mean? It, it I very can't much... work out with that whether it's kind of is it being like is it in, endorsing it because it's a movie or is it I can't really work it out. Yeah, or is it like I don't think it's shining in, a spotlight. I don't think it's endorsing. I do think it's shining a spotlight. But I go back to the, like Boots Riley sometimes. If something shining a spotlight isn't enough, but it isn't hugely yeah, yeah, interesting. No, I think that's what I want to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I feel this film does do more than that in places. I feel this film shines an interesting kind of spotlight because it some spotlights just point out problems to you that are overtly obvious, and some I feel there's a difference, I, to get into metaphors. I think there's a difference between shining a spotlight and digging something up, and I feel this film. Mm digs up a side of society that we'd prefer not to think about and i think that is a different thing to do and i think it does it like masterfully i think that's very well yes i agree yeah. no, it's, it's just yeah it's my brain gets caught up with like i think if i just talk about this film technically i think it's absolutely outstanding like on a performance level on a writing level on a craft level the soundtrack usage is great but i don't know this main character i just don't want to spend any time with him not because That's he's point, no, though. but not because of that, but because when he Ooh. talks, I'm just like, oh, I'm so bored of you. I'm not repulsed by him. I am bored yeah. by him of those okay. long monologues of like, yeah, yeah. I've met yeah. too many people in pubs that have watched the Zeitgeist movie and wants to right. about the end of the world. I'm like, you're just one of those people. Right, right. Which I don't think so, was the case when the movie came out. I I totally get where you're coming from. I like. Maybe I'm like really weird in the fact that I get really <laughs> entertained by like really candid vulnerability, mm. and that's the thing that I took away. No, I, I agree I with you. I like that, that too. Character. But I couldn't you know, get I mean, to like, vulnerability because I was like, dude, shut up about all your like weird Nostradamus stuff. I could not get less. Yeah, but you just have to like, you just have to power through, mm. and like, there's a lot of character depth. I, there are just scenes in this movie I would have just cut. There's truism for a Mike Lee film, but yeah. I would have just cut um, waves of this movie out. And I would have... No, no I, don't, I don't know. I disagree. I think you need... Every scene is like gold. There's like... There, yeah. Every... Just... Yeah. That, I think the That's... moment where it, it lost me, and it did find me again, was the very, very long pseudo-philosophical conversation with the... Um, oh, God, I'm blanking on words. Um, the Night Watchman. But the thing is, if you didn't have those in, how would you get a sense of Johnny's... I don't know if I need five of them. No, but... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Though, the, the, why that sequence eventually worked is because of the sequence it leads on to when he goes into that lady's house. And there's yeah. that... When he... you see, That was an interesting character moment for me, which I wish I wanted to do more, when you realised how mercurial he is as a character. Yeah. Um, because he likes to be the biggest intellectual force in the room yes yeah in a strange yeah. way where he just like talks in riddles because there's not much rig on what he's saying and and then he takes on a character of being like i don't read books what are you talking about yeah which is so, a... what you just said really ties into why i feel like all of the monologues need to stay because it's his compulsive desire mm. to dominate everyone in yes. conversation every time he meets someone he can't help it how could you have a film where he only does it once? It just and, kind and I of do like pretty... that the film is also doing that. It's, I guess it's mm. one of those classic films of, I get what it's doing, I admire it for it, but yeah. I don't love it. I don't feel it in my bones. <laughs> I see. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, so for me, I felt like the characters couldn't feel more real. I, li I mean, you. it's a, it's yeah, a true... I... It's a, to say all of that stuff about Michael E. films, and you, you, know, you have the process and whatever, but basically that really pays off. That's like you, you just 
They're not acting. There's no acting in this film. A hundred percent. I Where's love Mike Lee. I love watching him interviewed yeah. when he talks about the kind of actors that he works with, mm. and he's so candid. I mean, I went to see the preview screening of Peter Lou of like a filmed Q and A with him, in which was really weird because a student of mine was apparently at the session and stuff and asked a question, which scared the life out of me. Like, oh my god, I know that person, <laughs> and got kind of like <laughs> the third yeah. degree from Mike Lee, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> Mike Lee doesn't like answering questions. Um, but I, I don't know. Can we talk about the trajectory of Mike Lee's career? I don't really know it as well. Um, I just wanted to tack on one small thing just before we do talk okay. about his career, which is to show you the level of preparation mm. like that these actors had to go through. So the t- there's two actors, the guy who plays Jeremy and I think Catherine Cat- Cartledge. I've just got the IMDb thing open. Or... Leslie Sharp. Basically, so the first time they met, they didn't know each other's name. They were in character. Yeah. They didn't know each other's name. They didn't know anything about each other. But Mike Lee just sort of like, so for months beforehand, they'd been yes. like working on their characters. And then he just like unleashes them onto each other in character. And then like the first time that they introduce themselves as humans is Mike Lee saying, okay, you're out of character now. But like in the middle of them having like a impromptu sex scene. So yeah. that's the level of dedication of these people. It's just like, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, because yeah, I mean, the process stuff is fantastic. I listened to a podcast recently um, in which Secrets and Lies was talked about a lot, which is probably my favourite Mike Lee movie. Um, yeah. In which uh, Marion Jean Baptiste um, was interviewed, and she talked about all the preparation for that film and like how they built up the character and like she had to know everything, like what what's her normal routine, what bus does she get, why does she get that bus, or why didn't she get it on that one day, blah blah. Yeah. And they but they're just not told plot details and yes. the way they're reactive to it mm. and so the, the which works so well in secrets and lies because secrets and lies is built upon secrets and lies um so as the characters find something out like you get that real kind of like verite feel the way that might be make movies is awesome um yeah. i i don't know what might leave films have you seen i only see two i've only seen two i've seen meantime mm. and would uh, i watch this week and under your recommendation i think meantime yeah. is utterly terrific great um, I'm so happy. Mm. I mean, genuinely, it really felt like something that I'd never seen before. Mm. A bit like I watched an interview with him where he was talking <laughs> about him uh, seeing movies for the first time in uh, Manchester. Is that yes, in Salford. Salford, right. So, yeah, so he said he, he was frustrated as, as a sort of 15 uh, year old or whatever. Uh, he was frustrated by all the so-called trash coming from Hollywood. Yeah. And he was always like, why aren't there films about real people? Mm. Like, I've never seen a film about real people. And that's when he discovered what he calls international world cinema. Yeah. And that's when he was like, oh, my God, people can really make films about, you know, how people's lives really are. Which I think that, his positioning me, has, like, grown up in time was at that, that point. That, like, experience. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more so, on Meantime. I think Meantime is utterly fantastic. Um, so, right, you wanted to talk a bit about his career. Where yeah, were you I, well, going my back? point is I feel that he he makes different... I feel his audience has changed, where it's really fascinating. And I feel he's done a very good job of adapting to his audience. Yeah. Um, because, like, this is very, like, a lot of these films, early Mike Lee, were, like, TV plays. They were, like, made for yeah. television. Oh, yes, yeah. Or they were very kind of, like, pseudo-underground, you're, like actors wanted to be in them but maybe yes. audiences didn't want to yes. watch them as much and yeah. then he suddenly became very welcomed by the establishment 
and now he's very much your very prototypical what do the educated middle class like well they like mike lee movies um interesting and i feel that there's a really interesting shift in his career of like this film isn't aimed at that audience and mm. works because it's not um i don't know have you seen peterloo no i um, really really like peterloo some people do not like it as much as i do i think it's absolutely fantastic and having watched it again recently so i watched it with my dad so i bought him a copy of it so he'd love it yeah. And what I like about Peter Lou so much is it shows Mike Lee's true understanding of his evolved audience. Because yeah. Peter Lou, for those who don't know it, is about the St. Petersburg Massacre, which is a massacre of primarily working class people. Mm. Um, but he knows he's not making the film for working class people anymore. And so much of the film... Oh, that's interesting. Is a, so much of the film is very, very long, and people hold that against it. Most of the film is people talking very, very high-level, big arguments that alienate the working class. And why that works in that film so well is he knows that his audience are left-leaning, middle-class people who need to be told, yeah. your dialogue is not helping for the kind of people. And it's a great yeah. way of assaulting his audience in a new way. I love the way that Mike Lee has transitioned with his audience. Okay, well, that doing. sounds very cool. Mm. <laughs> like, that sounds like right on my street. So. If you want to hear um, habeas corpus just find multiple times right. <laughs> for three hours, oh, Peter Lewis movie for you. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely on the watch list. He's also he also did that Turner film, right? Yeah, which I never saw. Um, my partner saw it in the cinema, mm. um, but it was really really cold in the cinema, um, and they turned the heating off. The movie's like four hours long, so I think it's a very uncomfortable experience. Mm. I need to watch um, it at some point. So yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like. Uh, for me, Naked is still up there. It's it's almost as good as Meantime. I, it's still yeah. You need to gonna... watch Secrets and Lies. You will love Secrets and Lies. Okay, no, I'll I'll do it. I, I'll I'll put it on the watch list. <laughs> move, move it to the top. Move it to the top. If you if you like these two movies, it's it's that again. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> expanded. Um. Okay. Now for a different director who likes to toy with the bourgeoisie. Yeah. 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 I've man. I've because um, one of my favourite film titles ever is Louis Benwell's lovely um, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie um, mm-hmm. which is a great movie and has a great title um, and I feel that Michael Haneke makes films about the discreet cruelty and the discreet guilt of the bourgeoisie continually, yeah. continually, continually and they are awesome and there is so much guilt in this film oh, yeah. like, on so many levels <laughs> it's all hidden because about the very, very, very beginning of this movie yeah. Um, I'm talking very beginning. The opening credits of this movie, to me, feel like an homage in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with this very iconic typeface on the screen of the opening credits appearing kind of like word by word to make this square block on the screen. And if you've seen a Jean Luc Godard movie, you go, Is this a Jean Luc Godard movie? Mm-hmm. Which I think is very purposeful of like. Michael Haneke this is Michael Haneke's like French New Wave film by the way so this is going to tie in exactly what you're saying apparently on this film Haneke was quoted uh, saying film is lies 24 frames a second yes I've, oh my god I wrote down the Le Petit Soldat <laughs> quote the yeah. true for 24 frames a second this feels like Michael Haneke doing a twisted version of a mid period yeah. Jean-Luc Godard movie which is the second worst period of John Luke Godard movies, but you know, <laughs> he's done a lot of films. John Luke Godard's done a lot of films. Some of them are absolutely masterful, and some of them I do not have any time for at all. 
<laughs> I've watched far too many of them. And ooh, ugh. I mean, this film does have some surface similarities to his film Detective, um, which is okay. Yeah. It's got a video camera in it, you know. Um, but I feel like this is very much Michael Haneke out John Luke Golarding at his own game. But, you know, it's very subversive. Mm. Um, it's not just... It's basically saying to you, like, how manipulative the medium of film actually is. Yes. That's the most important... And that literally starts in the first shot. Because what you think you're watching... You, you think film. you're watching the film, not some video recording of the of, of something... Yes, which is I think the key to the film that first scene is literally that's yeah and that's he does that about. camera trick all the way through the movie which is brilliant yeah. mm-hmm. um, because so the opening shot for those who have not watched it just watch it it's brilliant um, it's just still shot of a house and you just watch stuff happening and then you just start hearing people talking about the image that you are watching and then the image rewinds and yeah then it turns to an actual camera and you're like is this now an actual camera what is an actual camera now what is going on um and throughout the film the camera every now and then just adopts this position of being a bit too far away being very wide angle and you're like is this being viewed now am i watching a tape now is the person being watched now and every time you get a bit comfortable with it it just throws those shots at you and you're like i've been thrown out of this and i'm creeped out and it works viscerally as a thriller but it also works for the themes that he is pushing very very well so thematically it's that opening dynamic is very important Mm. and it's important that it's a french film because fundamentally this film is really about confronting france's collective historical guilt about the algerian war and colonialism yeah 100 percent um so the fact so and the you, empty you riches kind of... and bourgeois comforts that are all artificial that are built around that is just it's just wonderful. Yeah. So you kind of um, prompted me by by you you asked me whether uh, I was going to ask a question which Haneke has yeah. been asked many times like who's the with, with the question is who is recording if you know it's which never revealed in the, the film question you should be who asking. is recording. Who is behind the video camera? Mm. And like you know, it's, it basically it's it's the audience. Yeah, because it, it it's not. A, it's, it should it's, be it's a who the, question. It's, the, it's a why question. I think the why question is very very legitimate. Why is recording is a fascinating question. Who is recording means you've not. I mean, I do agree with. Um, though he's a bit mean about it, my panicky here. If you leave the movie and you go, oh, I wanted to know who was making the videos. I'm like. Yeah. You did not get what the movie was about. So the why question is very important mm. because I think on a metaphorical level, like let's say there's a bit of magical realism in yeah. this film mm-hmm. and they do, receive, they do receive these tapes, but they have no idea who it is and also the effect that it's having on them psychologically, why they're yeah. feeling this way. If you take that like at face value, then basically... What, the central question is like, why are they feeling? Why are they feeling so guilty? But they can't work. Like they can't find any item or thing in their like sheltered bourgeois life that's making them feel that way. And the key thing is that, like, why does French society feel guilty but it can't mm. like? 
articulate it or whatever. Actually, I haven't yeah. really thought about that. That idea that they are mm. constantly finding objects to attach guilt to. They basic. They mm. don't know why they're feeling so guilty. I really like throughout that. the whole film. Yeah. And the, the you know the truth is staring them right in the face, especially very confrontationally in that scene which yeah. I described earlier, and also in later scenes. Mm-hmm. But they still can't work it out. Like who is sending who is who is sending us these tapes and who is making us feel so guilty? So I feel like why is it that we can't work that out? There are but conventional actually, like, readings there's... to apply, which I think are interesting. There's one which is that it's a manifestation of conscience. I think that's that's interesting, yeah. and that's certainly a way to to view the film. There is one where it's very much like it's an act of God. Um, for me, I like it as a very literal, as you said, magical realist device. Of to me, it leads into his thesis in the film, which to me seems to be there is a lot of guilt to feel here, and the it will never be evoked. You have to physically do the impossible to confront these people, to remind you as a viewer, they are never going to get confronted about these things they need to get confronted by. These people are all going to get away with this and not confront these things. It takes a magical outside element to make people own up to the sins of the past and the things that their lives are built upon. It's just not going to happen. The ironic thing is that despite Haneke's, like quite confrontational attempts to mm. try and shock both the characters in the film and the audience yes. into into explaining away the guilt through the character confrontation. So when you have uh, the confrontation on the street, when he goes to the flat of the of the Algerian guy, and also when, when he yeah. has the scene with his son, it's like staring them right in the face. And also the key scene with the with the suicide. Sorry, spoilers, but yes. you know. <laughs> which which goes back to my secrets and my um point about the previous film. Um, this cachet would not be good if it just started with a suicide. No, it'd be terrible. You need to build up to that. <laughs> yeah. That needs to happen later. And I feel yeah. like that was somewhat of my reaction to the beginning of Naked. I'm like, okay, but we movie, 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 movie. Come mm-hmm. down, come down, film. Um, but maybe that's just me. I'm too, you know, delicate. Hmm. Um, I. That's definitely not an adjective I'd <laughs> apply to your film viewing habits. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Um, oh, there's just. I feel there's, there's, there's too much in this movie of like, where do we focus? Which one? Naked or um, cachet? Cachet. 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 Yeah. So. Yeah. How do you even like? How do you start to unpack? everything that's in there it's like um, well okay let's start with someone that we like I feel that this has some stylistic similarities to other directors obviously Jean-Luc Godard being like a major kind of like though it's very much more disciplined than a Godard movie um, mm. a traditional Godard movie um, but I was maybe because I've been watching a lot of this guy's movies recently but I was reminded of our pal Kislovsky. Ah, okay. Interesting. Because of, it nails more than, this one reminds me why I love Kislovsky's work. Of mm. It's that balance between working perfectly on two levels, the very character-driven drama and the very widely symbolic, and both existing at the same time, independently and codependently, and both could entirely work. You can watch this film about this drama about a marriage, breaking down a relationship, and it's gripping. Or you can watch it as about symbolic France and its guilt, and it is still gripping. And to balance those things without really pushing it too much, which Haneke can do at points, yeah. is really impressive. 
And I feel that that's a thing that Kislovsky nails 100% of the time. And it's nice to see Haneke nail both the the meta layer and the micro layer. Which is why I think this is his best film, because mm. he strikes that balance perfectly. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I take... I very... Yeah, I definitely see uh, the resemblances. I think with Kislovsky, I think he was like almost forced into it, just because of yes. so much like censorship and repression. He, would, he just had to make his films about more than one thing. Mm. It's that thing that I was talking to you about, the fact that the, like, sort of the contrivances in his films, yeah. for example, like he was asked by the state to make a series of ten films on the Ten Commandments, but those <laughs> films aren't, are not about that at all. No. Um, yeah. And also Red, White and Blue. Are they about <laughs> French values or are they just him, like... Making three movies. Exactly, mm. yeah. I still need to watch... I still not watched the last one of those. I need to... Um, Okay, another cool thing in this movie. I feel it's nice to p- pick out cool things. Did you like? Because like, I sent you a message about this. The the dinner party halfway through, maybe a third mm-hmm. way through, where this guy just tells this story about a dog. Okay, I think I'm too dumb because I didn't really get it. And it's but, what what were you trying to say? I it's it reminds me of like um, the comic book Watchmen when there is the story and there's a story inside the story which is not the same as but has the same has a thematic link to the rest of the film yeah. um and for me this story about this dog kind of relates to the wider plot of the film of you are gripped by this narrative and then you realize it's all kind of a joke and a betrayal and then you just don't get this closure at the end and then one character is totally left nonplussed by it of there is this sensibility of they're telling the story leading up the garden path you're like what's going on here and then you just realize like oh you're what and it's a nice reflection of these people but it's also a nice reflection of like the arc of the movie to an extent oh yeah no i, I hadn't thought about that that's really that's really clever yeah oh thank interesting. you interesting um yeah that's very cool it's a good movie i like it <laughs> i wish it wasn't so hidden you know is it hidden <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't i mean i, I, I don't know how uh, watched this film is actually it is it is it's it's like heavily it's more like kind of sort of film snob circles mm. but yeah it's a well it's a well-known film um because i feel like when people think of hanaki they just think of funny games um is that his most well-known one though i think he made it twice <laughs> gonna, you're gonna yeah, be most well-known true. for a movie if you I make think, it twice i think piano teacher is the most well-known it's I mean, kind of like it's, it's out, a very it's like outrageous. <laughs> But it's the kind of film that, like a thirteen, like an edgy thirteen-year-old would be like, yeah, like I'm a Michael Haneke fan, and do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Hey. I think it's also a bad introduction to his films. I'm just gonna put that out there. Which one? The Piano Teacher. It's one of my favourites of his, but yeah, it was it. Michael Haneke took me a while, as I said before, and now I just love, love. It took me watching The Seventh Continent to get Michael Haneke, and that kind of like reset my time with him. Yeah. You have to pay attention. Not mm. gonna lie. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's dense filmmaker makes dense movies. Um, I, I think what I like Cache as well of it's not as sterile and humorless as some of his films. Yeah, it it's not funny, but you know, there's a wry chuckle. There's a bit. There's a bit of a dark wit to it. Yeah, got some time for that. Um, I. I Again, it's 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 playing with the audience. I think that is why it's really really cool. Um, it's weirdly like ironically, I think it's less detached from mm. the characters than his other films yeah. because he he like obviously being like a cerebro man, he has 
he has a slight tendency to make things extremely like abstract and like all his characters are just not human beings in any way. Well, his but first this one, you're three like, films you, were yeah. the Glaciation trilogy, which he spoke about how it was a reflection of like the glaciation of values in modern day Austria. Like, whoa, there, calm down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and you get this is yeah. Going back to piano teacher, you do get a sense that like these people are metaphors, not like. Mm. I don't know. That's that's kind of how it struck me. But... but then you get that bit when someone's got glass in their pocket. That was great. <laughs> I like how hardcore piano teacher goes. Piano teacher commits that's... in a way that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's oh god, the the scene at the end, man. Like, you not see is it, the piano is it wrong to say? Is it wrong to apply the adjective gratuitous to Haneke Thorne? Probably not. <laughs> you know, he he can overreach. Um, <laughs> certainly, but mostly does not. Difficult, difficult to say that a like a seven-minute uninterrupted rape scene is not gratuitous, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, because it's not at the beginning of the movie, Alpha. <laughs> I'm okay with it. You know, Naked's was like ten seconds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> this project is revealing sometimes that I have deeply hypocritical <laughs> views on films. <laughs> Just. <laughs> If I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. You know, if I'm not, I'm not. You know, um, last thing this movie, um, it it does that Michael Haneke thing, which he gets a lot of stick for, for good reason. But I think it does it the best here of Michael Haneke. To put it reductively, hates screens, hates the televised nation. He, I think it's not screens. It's more like mm. the artifice good. that screens Agreed. create. Because um, you have a lot of shots in cachet of, I think, the Iraq War. Well, that's, and, like the I, irony that's why I love that, it. The like, irony of middle-aged people. Like, I think in some... Because I tried to pause it and try and like, zoom in. I think there's like literally some like Iraqi people dying on screen mm. in the middle of the movie. And they're just like, eating dinner. It does and the irony of that, paired with the themes of the film, I think... Yeah. I think that really helps the symbolic parts, layer of it, of like you've got this family drama playing out and then behind it yeah. you've got just war crimes happening on the TV again which was a very Michael Haneke loves this kind of point of being like yeah. while you're having your squabbles this is going on all the time yeah. much just... like much like um, what's the character's name damn it Mr. Funny Games the, no Gerald Funny Games the, the main character of Cache um, anyway him much like he can't Mr. notice Cache. <laughs> many of the uh, non-white characters in the yeah. film mm -hmm. they also don't notice the screen yeah that was, yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. That was a really really basic point but yeah, just, yeah. Uh, it, 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 it true it true it true you know you just they, they don't want to watch the outside world I think a film that did that well recently is Bait which you have not seen you should because I just love Bait so much of again that idea of occasionally there's just this background news and noise all the time reminding you there's always this greater world whacking out against our very insular world that's just there and it's hard is to that, escape is that like Cornish film? Mm, oh, it's one of my favourite films of, of the decade it's just incredible okay yeah, I'll give that a go mm. so yeah. Um, are we going to try and rate these films? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you first, boil them down to a number. God, I can feel like the contempt of either of these two directors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like coming through the IMDb page of this... me trying to like rate this film, be like, 
I have yeah. thoughts about my Hanukkah like, sometimes. Books, books have been written about cachet, and then there's just me like trying to be like, oh, is it one star? <laughs> <laughs> I just um, with Michael Haneke, I feel like if I was to ever make a film. I'd be like, it's quite Michael Haneke inspired. And then he would be like, I hate this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you probably would. Anything yeah. that I'd ever produce, he'd be like, this is crap. I'm like, you, you, you yeah. are correct. Mm. Um, nevertheless, we must keep the tradition mm. alive. And um, alive. I'm, I'm going to give both of these films a five star. And I feel like, I feel like I'm really easy on my five stars these days. After accusing me last week. Yeah. But um, you know, no, I'm going to do it. I felt really like I don't know. I felt like really drawn in to these films. I kind of you know that's one of the key criteria for me. It's like if I can forget about what's going on outside and I just feel really like inside yeah. the film. Then yeah, it's a good film. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was like inside these worlds uh, for both of these films. I could like really empathise with the characters. Yeah. But also empathise with some kind of objectivity. It's as if the objectivity mm. was a person in both these films. It's a bit like a weird experience. I can't really explain. It's more like the fact that, yeah, it's being empathised, being able to empathise with, like, conflicting characters. Yes. Which is a really interesting thing that they managed to pull off. I think it's really difficult. Because, like, you know, the medium of film, it, it's, it naturally kind of, because it's quite a short medium, I think it's much easier to do protagonist, you know, hero's journey or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you can do, like, multiple conflicting things and feel something for each one of those characters, like, wow, okay, yeah. I feel that the two characters who spoke to me the most, one per film, um, I, I mean, I always love Juliette Binoche because she's brilliant, um, <laughs> but Juliette Binoche's, like, complete understanding of the relationship when no one else does and, like, he is trying to gaslight her is just brilliant. Yeah. And I felt so strongly for her. And um, oh, I forget the name of the actress. I feel very, very, very bad about this. Um, she's in the British TV show Outnumbered, um, but she's the nurse that appears at the end of Naked... And I have never felt so strongly attached to a character when she was just like so fed up of everyone's shit in this movie. And I was, she was like, do you people not just stop? Are you going to just shut up? And I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this the whole film. I feel you so much. You are me in this movie being like, why are you here? What is going on? So, yeah. What, what are your ratings? Um, Cache, I stand by my five star previously. It's an absolutely exceptional film. Um, I don't know, I was wavering on um, Naked. I was a preliminary four and felt that I was maybe going to talk myself down into a three. Um, wow. But I feel you talked me into keeping it as a four. Okay, well, I, I can be happy with that. Yeah, I feel, because I was just like, eh. But then I think its overwhelming positives are brilliant. I, it's easy to I'll take just, a Mike Lee film for granted, basically. Yeah, I'll just say this. Don't come at it with like a moralizing kind of point of view. It's more about the complexity of vulnerability, mm. you know? Yeah. Like how, are you, how are you supposed to talk about the self-defense mechanisms of masculinity if you don't have a character like Johnny portrayed yeah. like so vividly on screen? Do you know what I mean? Like, so that's kind of, I feel like it just does that so well. Mm, I think you're right and I think again my only umming and ahhing is it's easy to take Mike Lee for granted because he's doing that brilliant thing that he does effortlessly and when it yeah. looks effortless it's easy to be like oh it's that again Yeah. but you forget how difficult and singular it is like there are not other no one else makes films like Mike Lee no yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah a four and a five okay um, cool so is that episode over 